All right, world, how you doing? It's the Eddie Johnson bit, back with another Spin the Wheel podcast. It's me, me spinny wheel, me cup of tea, that's important, and uh, a bunch of random questions to ask to, uh, to a guest. There's 24 questions on there, I'll spin it a few times, we'll see exactly where it lands and then we'll have a bit of a chat and, and see where it might take us. Who knows? So, um, who's the guest this week? Well, the guest this week is a very old friend of mine. Now, I've known this guy for quite a while. Um, so, trust me, the editing in this one will probably be considerable. Because although the podcast is around about half an hour, I dare say we'll be talking for quite some time. Um, it's the amazing Mr. Joe Fisher. Now, Joe is a host. He's an MC. He's a comedian. Um, he's a compare. Um, he's done sporting events and entertainment events, um, whether it be at arenas and stadiums or out on the tour of Britain. He's done that stuff for a bunch of years. Um, so our paths have crossed uh, so many times uh, that it basically just ended up that we had to be friends. Um, you can tweet me now. I'm on Twitter at Spin the Wheel Pod. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see where this one ends up as well as slightly scared of the amount of time it's going to take me to cut out the things that we really don't need to be putting out there. So um, this is Mr. Joe Fisher, uh, and it's his turn to spin the wheel. Are you ready? Are we ready? Right then, let's go. We are back with the Spin the Wheel podcast, and joining me this afternoon is Mr. Joe Fisher. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Hello. Hello, Hello. Hello. It has been a while. Oh, it's been a long time, hasn't it, love? Yeah, yeah it how has. are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Keeping keeping the wolf from the door, as they say. What about yourself? I'm good. I'm good, mate. All nice. good. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Right. So be, before we uh, get into the wheel and the spinning and all the rest of that malarkey, a um, few little key points about you, I think. So uh, the very first thing that I try to do is introduce people by talking about their, their job description or, or their, <laughs> their talent area. Uh, and um, you with, with you, that, that takes a little while. Joe, how do you describe yourself? Gobby. <laughs> Gobby for a living. Yeah, yeah, I talk for a living. Yeah, um, the man on the mic. That's that's the website. That's the phrase. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, originally, was going to go with rentagob.com. I thought that would, um, you know, explain what I do. Yeah, just don't Google it. All I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, just. I, I'll just stay clear of that one. Uh, thanks. For Please advice. clear history. Delete. 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 Uh, so comedian. Comedian. Presenter. Yeah. Host. Host. Commentator. Commentator. Author. Author. Santa Claus. Santa Claus, spoken word poet. Uh, yeah. How many? Yeah. I mean, how many things? What What do you put on your? Uh, I, I was speaking to Hobbit. We both know Hobbit. I spoke to him uh, a few weeks ago, and I said, um, "So, you're a professional beatboxer, and it's on your passport." And he was like, "Yeah." So, what would be on your passport, Joe? I don't even know. Actually, entertainer. Is it something entertainer, that entertainer? I think. Everything into hate. one bracket. I hate the word entertainer. <laughs> I tend to avoid that. So I say, I say presenter. Yeah. I think that's probably what that's I probably think. your thing, isn't it? Whatever you're yeah. doing, it's it's you putting things across. Or the other oh, thing on. is multi potentialite. Have you heard that? One? What's that? 
Yeah, mate, you got to get on TED Talks. A multi, Mul- multi, multi potentialite. It's a thing. A really good TED Talk. I can't remember the lady's name, but she talks about the fact that you know kids are taken through school saying, "What are you going to be?" Yeah, and she says, "I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm this, and I'm that." And she talks about a chef who's also a rocket scientist. She talks about a physician who's also a composer. You know, and she's saying, "Why not like multi potentialite? Why can't we have a few different labels?" Absolutely. I spoke to I, I spoke to the guitarist from Hope and Social again a couple of weeks ago, and he oh, he's exactly I love the same. Hope and Social. I know they're brilliant. We had a had a chat with Spin the Wheel with um, with oh, Rich Huxley the other day, and oh, um, he um, he was saying about the fact that he classes himself as having a portfolio career. Yes, I'm, I'm grabbing same that with, with both hands. I think um, yes. you live down in the southwest. I do. I do originally northern, uh, originally from Lancashire, but yeah. uh, uh, escaped. In the uh, in the late eighties, and got down to Devon, met a lovely Devon girl, and thought, "What's the balance here? I think I'll stay in Devon." Devon, yeah. Lancashire. Yeah, I'll, you know I'll be I mean? honest. I'll, I'll probably go that way. Love as Lancashire. Well. Love the people up there, yeah. but it's a, it's it's just nice in Devon. It's just really nice. And I know your um, I know your wife as well, and uh, your family, uh, your your lovely two kids who are now much bigger than they used to be, all grown up and flown the coop. 20, 22 and twenty five, mate. How is that possible? <laughs> So Sam, who does sound teching and drumming and stuff like techie that. Techie musician, techie musician, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Ellie, who's a midwife, who's just qualified. How does that, hang on. So entertainer, host, drummer, entertaining, because you're a bit of frustrated muso yourself, right? Yeah, I, I played drums and then started teaching Sam when he was five. He got to 10 years old and he was better than me. Nice. Uh, and when your kid gets better than you, you tend to give up. Um, and so so how, did, always- how did Ellie end up with all the brains? Ah, now, what you have to remember is that when I first started out in life, I was a nursery nurse. Were you? Did you not know I this? don't think I knew that, no. So I come from a huge family, right? Yeah. Six brothers, three sisters, and 50 short-term foster siblings, wow. right? So my parents were like the emergency foster family for the whole of the northeast of Lancashire. And we'd wake up and have a new brother. I always maintained <laughs> that everybody else collected stamps when I collected siblings. I had one of each one. <laughs> And it was a bit like that, really. You know, Tesco club card, you know, yeah, of, yeah. of siblings. That's what I had. Nice. I just had all these points. So for me, looking after kids was totally normal. Yeah. Um, and it was either drama, uh, you know, be, be an actor yeah. or, or kids. And um, I wasn't that good at being an actor, to be honest. Plus, I had to get O-levels to do that. So ended up um, as a nursery nurse. My oh. first qualification was I was the only bloke on a course with 49 girls as an NNEB nursery nurse. See, some people say that's a smart choice as well, you see. Didn't do me any harm, buddy. <laughs> so, Joe, are you ready? Are we yeah. ready? Right. Let's spin so that I've wheel, got my wheel. I'm really excited. I've got my wheel. I've got my questions, yeah. um, which yeah. I, I sent through to Joe and then he didn't get. So he genuinely doesn't know what's coming towards him. Um, some of them are silly. Uh, some of them are a little bit serious. It just depends on what the wheel's feeling like as to exactly where we're going to go. How long did it take you to make this wheel, man? I went on a shopping trip to Ikea uh, and they yeah. had them by the door as you walk in. So before I actually bought anything else, I was like, well, I'm having that. Um, I'd never seen one before. You bought that in Ikea? Yes, yeah. For what? What do they sell them in Ikea for? For this. Okay. Number 10. Number 10. <laughs> of all the questions for Go Joe on. Fisher. This one says, when did you realise that this was going to be your life's pathway? <laughs> when, you, when you're one of 10 kids and you're the little runt, which I was, and very gobby in order to survive, what else are you going to do? 
So it was it was just a natural thing for you. Were you the were you the class clown? The class clown, uh, yeah, the the gobby one, um, the one that um, even managed to get the teachers laughing as well. Nice. Did it get you in trouble at all? All the time. But I was quite clever with it as well. Eddie, you'll love this story, right? So I would be sent out of class at least once once a day for being disruptive. Uh, okay. Never naughty, but disruptive. I can like, relate. I couldn't stop, couldn't stop talking. Um, what I managed to do, not even realising, the head teacher of this very big secondary school was part of our amateur dramatic society. Okay. So I get sent to Dr. Proud's office, the head teacher. Yeah. Um, if I get in quick enough and say, oh, sir, remind me what we're doing. What's the next play I want to audition for? <laughs> he forgets while I've been, why I've been called in. We talk, we talk drama for 15 minutes and he sends me back to my class. <laughs> so you avoided all of the canings and any of the detentions? Honestly, and it was canings. We're talking mid-80s. I mean, it would have been canings. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I definitely. Never, I never got caned. So you yeah. think that your your mouth got you yeah, away from punishment? Yeah, my ability to relate to people have got me through life. There's how many stories I can tell you millions. I was even held up with a knife once, and my gob got me out of it. Where was that? In Scotland. Okay. In Greenock, yeah. doing detached youth work and not being told that we were in the the uh, blue area of Greenock, not the green area. Oh of Greenock. yes. Okay. Okay, Rangers and Celtic. Of course. And I'm wearing a bright green tracksuit. Oh, no way. Yeah, 18 years old, completely naive. Uh, got pulled up against the wall with a knife and said, what are you doing here, mate? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm English, which was the worst thing to say. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, two minutes into me going, look, mate, hang on a second. I, I made a mistake here. Do you want a coffee? <laughs> He ended up coming to the gig that I was inviting people to. Only you would end up with someone with a knife at their throat asking them if they wanted to have a drink. Yeah, and he started going to church after that. <laughs> it sums you up completely. But your your in terms of your life's pathway, it's not been a particularly straight road, has it? We met each what? other doing hosting stages, Greenbelt. didn't we? At Greenbelt Festival. So we met each other and I remember seeing you do your thing on stage and thinking this guy's actually really good and really entertaining. There's a lot I could learn from that. And then I think that year we just sat down and chatted about a load of stuff. I have recollections of you with your file, with all your jokes in, and you had all them organised in your different sections. I was like, this bloke knows what he's doing. So um, I, I remember being really impressed by you and your your whole professionalism towards that at that time. And and that's kind of always the way that I've seen you is someone who's who's if you're going to do something, you throw yourself in two-footed and you're going to say, right, if we're doing it, we may as well do it properly. It, it, it's no point. In my opinion, if you're not going to do it absolutely as well, yeah. then there's no point even trying. And, yeah, I, I was fortunate to kind of learn. I, I forced myself into stand-up comedy. Didn't want to do it. Really? Didn't think I was funny. Yeah, honestly. Oh, wow. I'd met, I'd met Tim Vine, John Archer. We were actually in a play together. So I was a jobbing actor at the time. Yeah. Um, I got in a play with Jake's Ladder Theatre Company, which don't exist anymore. Brilliant guys. And they were based down in the Southwest. And we were doing a show for Edinburgh Festival for uh, Christian Aid. Um, And Tim and John were in it, like cameos, but they also had their own show. Of course. And I just watched them. I didn't know anything about stand-up. And Tim kept saying to me, you're either going to just do it or never do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I forced myself. And I said to Tim, give me five minutes. Didn't have anything prepared. Wow. And just went on. And just did me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Um, with a couple of jokes, but just but just, just chat just and me. getting on with people and making jokes from the conversation. And you I have, figured right? if I could do that, 
I can do anything. Yeah. And, and my plan was to start from the top and work my way down, so to speak, in the sense of once you can do stand-up on your own and make people laugh, and you know what it's like, yeah. working on your own as a performer, if you can do that, everything else actually is really, really easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I've gone on to host the things at the Olympics and, and London Marathon and, and all those kind of things. They're actually quite easy comparatively because <laughs> you've always got an audience. Yeah. You've always got something to talk about and you've always got a fallback. Whereas with stand up, you haven't. Yeah. And so, you know, those early days of Greenbelt and hosting and throwing jokes in mm. was, was my way. I, I used to have one liners and I used to know I could use those one liners, you know, like, oh, we're going to introduce you to a band. But before we do, you know, here's, here's something I want you to remember never test the depth of water with both feet. Or, yeah, yeah, or here's yeah. another one, to, and this this is again in the true story. Royal Albert Hall, biggest gig of my life, right? Five thousand people hosting a massive charity event, and they said, "Oh, you're nice, clean, you know, your comedy's all clean." Well, yeah, yeah, totally unoffensive. Da 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 da. We got it completely wrong, right? So my favourite gag was: if at first you don't succeed, skydiving isn't for you. <laughs> like it, nice. Great gag, isn't it? Yeah, not gag. when there's been not when there's been major headlines that day in the press about somebody being murdered in a skydiving accident, and I hadn't read the press. <laughs> and honestly, the crowd just went. <clears throat> what do you do? Do you go back on and apologise? Do you hope nobody really knows? You kind of just go straight past it, don't you? Just carry on. Yeah, I did, but I never got hired for that gig again. Oh, so, did I answer that? Did I actually answer? Yes, mate. That? The thing is, with with the spinning the wheel, we answer the question, we go on a little bit of a drive around it, and then eventually we end up back at the wheel again. It's just like Milton Keynes. We end up back where we started in the first place, anyway. What do you consider your biggest success or triumph? Now, I, I have a caveat here. You're not Ooh. allowed to have marrying your wife or the birth of your children. Those things, they're a given. Two things, I would say. Probably okay. getting to commentate at the Olympics. Yes, even though it wasn't in London, it was in Manchester. It was really random, but it was still part of the Olympics. It's still, still uh, one of my favourite stories about you. Really? It was because of the fact that I was involved. Because I know you got to do the Olympics from having done test events before, and they wanted you to oh, commentate at the badminton. Oh, I Eddie, 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 I forgot about this. Yeah. I, I know where I was when, when, you, when you called me. Because we were in touch, weren't we? we? Were. Remind me, so remind me. what happened was you rang me out of the blue whilst I was living down in Bristol. It was a nice sunny day. And I took the phone call and wandered out in my little garden, little patch of garden. I forgot this. And I was chatting and I said, so how are you doing? He's like, right, what do you know about badminton? Yes. And I was like, well, I know lots about badminton. What, what what do you need? Well, I don't need the rules, okay, but I need to know about what's happening the in culture. badminton. I was like, why? Yeah. It's like, because they've asked me to do the commentating at this test event. It was the World Badminton Championship. Yeah, the, <laughs> the World Championships in Birmingham, the test event. And then you said, if yes. it goes well, then um, then I, I might get involved at the Olympics. So I was like, yeah, all right, mate, I'll help out. And so for the next half hour, I remember talking to you about the rivalries that were existing within British badminton at the time. Yeah. And I was like, is this what you want? And you were sat there with a pen at home, apparently, just writing stuff. Yeah, this is exactly what I need. This is brilliant. That's happened to me twice. So okay. this, the first time was when I got offered a gig for cycling and knew nothing about cycling. Yeah. I'd, I'd done a six-month tour with Transport for London promoting the uh, Tour de France when it first came to London in 2007. And I got a gig as a compare, not as, as a cycling dude. And it was a half-hour roadshow that we took around the country for like six to eight months. Um, and that got me into the world of cycling. Knew nothing. Then got offered the Tour de France. Yeah. Uh, um, the, sorry, the, um, the Tour of Britain. 
straight after that, rang my mate up and said, I don't know anything about cycling. What am I going to do? So, yeah, this happens a lot to me. And I remember you knew something about badminton. Mate, I don't know how I knew that. I, because we we chatted, and I think it was just a case of you knew I was a PE teacher. So you're like, well, yes. who do I know that knows something about badminton? Well, Eddie might. Let's give him a call. And that was such a tough gig because uh, you'll know this, but all the badminton players are from either China or uh, Sri Lanka, or Malaysia, or, or Indonesia, yeah, yeah, Malaysia, yeah. and some of these names are fifteen <laughs> syllable long. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, coming onto the court now, Dushyant from Surendra Kumar. <laughs> um, I remember chatting to you afterwards, and you'd said you'd said to me, you gave me all the information. I couldn't use it. I just had to introduce their names. That pretty much took up all the time I had. Literally, that's literally all you're doing, <laughs> badminton. So, but you did but, that, and then that led on to. So I got football and I was based at Old Trafford. Um, like I said, it wasn't London, which was always a bit of a downer for me, but I was still part of the Olympics. Yeah. And, you know, to be able to put that on the CV was huge. How many people? Let... How many was Old Trafford holding Mate, at that time? It was 80,000 a time. Wow. Times 25 football matches or however yeah, many yeah, yeah. we did. That was brilliant. And then after that, to get to do the London Marathon, which I've always, always mm. wanted to do, and to be on the mall as part of, for me, the, the the greatest sporting event there it's is. It's just a massive pinnacle, isn't it? And it's one of those things that so many people are involved with, either through taking part themselves or watching at home and all the rest of it. So I can imagine how you would have felt to have been given the call for something like that. Yeah, I've just been really fortunate because most commentators, if you're honest, are very, very knowledgeable, but quite dull. Hmm. I had to bring something else because they wanted somebody front-facing. They wanted somebody to actually engage with the They crowd. wanted some entertainment rather than just the knowledge. When you're on the finish line of the Tour of Britain and you're there at 10 o'clock in the morning, the race doesn't arrive till four o'clock in the afternoon and you've got 5,000 people already there, the race is going to begin 150 miles away. You know, the race isn't going to be here. The race is there. So what's happening here? Nothing. And we've got six hours. Wow. So that's where all the stuff that I've done before, all the comedy or the spontaneity or the improv or the acting comes into to, to being because you become a com entertainer. And I love it. I, my dream still is live TV, to be told, right, here's a game show, here's a crowd, we haven't got much of a script. They don't do that anymore, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. but if they did, that would be my dream. Well, okay, so if you could do any game show that currently exists on the telly, which one do you think you'd be suited towards? Anything that Anton Deck do. <laughs> Tipping point? Do you fancy something along that? I find that a bit boring, really. It's, it's, a, it's a machine with coins. I mean, I might as well be at the fun fair. It's, really? It, it, yeah, I love Tipping Point. It's brilliant. Um, I've written my own, Eddie. I've written three or four treatments, yeah. But, of course, the problem with television is that unless you're already in, you're not going to get in. I've got a brilliant idea, and I'll throw it at you now, right? A daytime game show, yeah. right? The Hare and the Tortoise. Daytime quiz got five or six contestants to start with they all battle it out in quick fire rounds and you decide or you get to choose which route you take yeah the hair route is quick fire questions in a short amount of time the tortoise route is a couple of harder questions worth more oh. time or whatever you can either go the hair route or the tortoise you see route. genius it's a lovely idea never going to see the light of day no Right, this is number 24. Gosh. Tell me a story about your favourite shoes. My favourite... <laughs> I told you, some of them, you just don't know quite where it's going. My favourite shoes. Do you know what? I do actually have a story about my favourite shoes. Everyone I has. Wear, I used to wear them in my ears. I was a huge fan, late 80s, of the red 
Converse boots. Yes, I know them. I Bright know them very red well. Converse, Converse All-Stars. Yep. Yeah, the Converse All-Stars. I then found some earrings, which were red Converse All-Star boots. Nice. Dangles, and I used to wear them all the time. I met my wife wearing both my red Converse trainers. You had boots, matching shoes and I had earrings. a matching earring. 1988. I wanted to, I actually found myself a pair recently that I was going to buy. Yeah. But because I've got bunions, I can't wear them. They're no too way. tight. So they don't, they don't make them for the, uh, for the older gentleman. The wider foot. No. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think they're the kind of brand that would need to look to diversify. We their could call them Converse market. old, Converse old stars. Old stars. Maybe that's it. Yeah. But yeah, no, All Stars were was the um, they were the shoe to wear. Uh, oh, it, I loved them. You, you, and either, DMs, mate. It was either All Stars or Dot Martins, wasn't it? I loved a pair of DMs, but again, can't wear them either because of my bunions. Sad tales. Anyway, right. where are we? We're going to spin. This one's a little bit different. Uh, yeah, I don't want that one. Uh, nope. So you basically fixed number four. Uh, so why did you even bother spinning the wheel? Because it's called spin the wheel. If I don't spin it, then it just doesn't fit the brief, does it? Who most inspires you? Uh, but uh, what I quite like to know is who most inspires you outside of your family. Good if, one. Yeah, because I would have said my mum. Exactly. I would have said um, my mum. I lost, I lost my mum 22 years ago, but I still would have said my mum. I mean, as, as as a man of faith, I would say Jesus, and I mean that genuinely. Um, Bono, funnily enough. I actually love Bono. I know he gets a lot of grief. I'd just I'd love to have a pipe with Bono. I really would. I like the fact that he doesn't care what everybody else thinks. He just says what he thinks he should say, and I like that. He's kind of got to a point where, where he doesn't need to worry about other people's opinions, right? And I know he's a bit of a parody of himself and all that kind of thing, but I like Bono. I think he's a good man. And my other big inspiration is Guy Garvey from Elberg. Ooh, Okay. I love Guy Garvey. I've I've been fortunate to see. Hey, you'll you'll probably know the guy that we know that worked for Elbow. Do you remember Wayne? He was a stage manager. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't, I don't up, remember him. No. I don't well, know. I discovered that he ended up going off to work for Elbow. No way. And I love Guy Garvey because he's this big, oh, he's kind of smoking, drinking guy that just comes out with the most beautiful lyrics. They get they get to me, you know, but you, they're not being sung by some wet, you know, kind of. It's weird, isn't it? It's, if you were to look at Elbow and you saw just, a lineup of them and you say, right, which one's the singer? Yeah. Not once would you actually point at Guy Garvey and say it's him because you listen to the song. It's this voice of an angel coming out of this massive beat. But when you like, see them live, it just all comes true. You go, oh my goodness, because his connection, his ability to just connect with you. I saw the them. One person I saw them the support. I saw them support you too. And so, <gasps> yeah, mate, that was my dream gig, and I never got to go. Yeah, that, that was that was a good one. I like the fact that they just get on with it. Um, guy will do his radio shows yeah. and his bits here and his bits there, and they just get on with it. But as a lyricist, for me, yeah, he's like he's like a modern day Shakespeare. He really is. And I got to meet him, so for me, that. that when did you meet him? Seeing my mate Wayne on stage, yeah. realizing he's now the stage manager, texting him and going, "Any chance I can come and meet the band?" Oh no way. He got us backstage and it was brilliant. Being a parent, right? You want to score as many dad points as you possibly Absolutely. can. We both went, we got backstage and it was brilliant because the band were far more interested in Sam than we were. <laughs> the drummer at the time, Rich Jupp, 
Um, he came over to see Sam. He's about 15 years old, 14 years old. And he said, mate, come with me. He took him backstage. He showed him the kit. No way. He allowed him to play on it. Honestly, it was That'd just be amazing. Crazy. Took him round the band. And I'm following behind going, I want to meet Guy Gormy. I want to meet Guy Gormy. I mean, it was just like Brilliant. proper. Uh, yeah. That sounds amazing. Okay, let's go. Let's go back to the daddy points. What's the things that stick out that you can think of that you've that you've done to try to get positive daddy points from? Go, going to see Jessie J with my daughter, her and her best friend. I had to go as well. And do you know why? It's one of the best gigs I've ever been. <laughs> Brilliant. So, but I carried favour there big time. Yeah. Uh, once in order to get my youngest into uh, a cricket game. He's big into his cricket at the time. Someone asked me if I would be the mascot. So I dressed up dressed as up. Nuts the Squirrel. Yeah. My son's street dance teacher used to do it for kind of like extra cash. He couldn't make it. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. As long as I, I don't have to, I'll just go around and do some high-fiving and bits and pieces. Unbeknownst to me, about halfway through, they say, and now it's time for our uh, traditional race the mascot. So I'm like, sorry, what now? I've got these great big trains. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm racing against this bloke round an obstacle course. So I lost in this race and I said, oh, never mind, nuts. I'm sure you'll make up for it in your dance break. And I'm like, what the heck? All I can say about this, mate, dance. is that it wasn't you. No, that's true. Yeah, nuts just and, had a bad that- day. I was into breakdancing when it first came over, 1983. I had the full gold lame kappa tracksuit. Nice. I was the popper, though. I wasn't oh, so okay. much breaker. I was the popper. Yeah. And I was second place, Northwest Robotics Championship, no 1983, way. Blackburn Town Hall. And we do it in Burnley. And then if we really had the money, we'd get on the train and go to Manchester. And the Arndale Centre in Nelson, where I lived, yeah. would allow us one evening a week to take over the Arndale no Centre. Because it's a massive area of shiny floor. Absolutely. Breaker's Dream. It was brilliant. Breaker's Dream. And we used to go in there once a week, about 40 of us, and just practice. It wow. was fantastic. That's amazing. Did you not know I that? I did not know that. I'll find out all kinds of things about you today. Yeah, mate, mate I'll do the Joe bot for you one day. <laughs> Here we go. Number five. We're going to let the is wheel... Is like a genuine one? The wheel's going to decide this one. It's this is so good. Can we just do this all day? <laughs> okay, right. Hold on. This one's got a theme tune. Which one's your favourite? Which one's your favourite? Which one's your favourite, Hob? Which one's your favourite? Which one's your favourite? Which one's your favourite, Hob? Oh, mate, we've all got a favourite, Hob. Absolutely, we, we have. It's not difficult at all. Straight in there, front left, mate. Front Thank you. Left. Thank you. Is is the correct answer? It's the large one, the front left. It always is. You don't go anywhere else. And I will even swap pans to make sure that the right one goes on front left. Yeah, I I'll always move the others. Once it's been cooked, it goes to the back and the new one comes on front left every time. <laughs> I do love the fact that you're quite in agreement and quite vehement about it as well. I haven't even thought about it, but there's no question. No. I'm going to have to spin again because you've had that one already. I've done it. Oh, and all right. I somehow oh. have managed to spin three times and land Ooh. on three questions we've done already. Where have you been in the world that you would most want to go back to? Such an easy one. Really? I Yeah, I got to go to Canada when I was working for Youth for Christ. And, mate, I was 19. Yeah. And I just fell in love with Canada. Nearly didn't come home. We were based at a Bible college in uh, Alberta. Just beautiful, stunning, stunning. Uh, I mean, landscapes beyond anything you'll ever imagine. Um, Canada for me is like is like Britain on steroids. 
So everything you like about Britain, maybe the hills or the forests or or the coast, just times that by 100, and that's Canada. Had three young ladies at the Bible college, I was 19 years old, all tell me that God had told them that I was to marry them and take them back to the UK. So that was good. So did you, did you take any of them? I didn't, know. No. In three months, once I got back in the UK, I met Emma and still married. Okay, rewind a little bit. So those three girls, so every single one of them told you that God had told them? Yeah, because God hadn't told me that. Yeah, well, yeah. And um, they had weird names. Okay, I think that's a perfectly valid reasoning. So I could have been persuaded with Cindy, um, but yeah, yeah I, I didn't want to stay in Canada. Far from I was home. so naive, man. I was so naive. <laughs> Do you think you would have been in a position to be able to like cook and clean for yourself and sort all that stuff? No, prop- no. <laughs> I, I love the way that there was no hesitation. I didn't have a clue, mate. Not a clue. That whole year, that Youth for Christ year was just travelling. That's how it all happened. And that's why I say to my kids, if you get an opportunity, go. Just do it. Yeah. You talk about your kids' dreams in terms of your dreams. Yeah, I still kind of dream basis. about TV, like I said. I mean, when I'm 50 and I've been dreaming since I'm 30 or 20 even, you tend to think maybe, you know, that that ship has sailed. Yeah. I don't have any regrets. But it would be nice to get an opportunity to do some kind of live TV. There have been so many times where things have been close. Ooh, really close. Or not quite. Really or- close. We could get deep on this one, Eddie, mm. if you wanted. But I always go with the, with the premise that you can't have everything you want. And you can't. You know, it doesn't matter whether we have faith or not. You can't have everything you want. And the people I know that have done very well, you know, in showbiz, have normally given on another area. And it's either been their own self-confidence or they lose their relationships. I've never been prepared to do that. And for me, the phrase I've always used is, if I'd have got what I wanted, I wouldn't have what I've got. Mm. And if I'd have got into that, I don't think I'd have two incredibly balanced kids, a wife that still gives a toss and and a marriage of 28 years. I don't think, and those things are important to me. It's a very rounded way of looking at things. It's taken me a long time (laughs) to get there. Hey, mate, here's a lovely little thing. Genuine true story. One of my heroes was a guy called Roy Castle. Do you remember Roy? I do remember Roy Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presenter of... Um, record, breakers. record Breakers, which was a very big TV show when, when we were Massive. a whole lot younger. Um, he was a jazz trumpeter. Roy well, was more than just a trumpeter. Great. He did carry-on films. Yes. You know, he was a comedian. He was a dancer. He was a musician. And I got the opportunity to meet Roy at a friend's wedding. And I cornered him. He only had 10 minutes. And I said, look, I want to be a kid. I was 20 years old. I want to be a kid's TV presenter. What do I do? Do you know the nicest guy you will ever meet? And what I loved about Roy was... All round, huge talent, but a very, very strong Christian and a brilliant dad. He's at the peak of his career, right? Yeah. Hugely famous, hugely busy man. And he said to me, we haven't got a lot of time to talk. I've got to go and set up. Give me your address. And within a week, I get a handwritten letter, which I've still got. You know, he's giving me all this advice on how to get into TV and how to never give up and always persevere and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And whether that happens or not, that got me on the journey that I'm on. And then all the things I thought I'd never do, like Olympics and marathon and world champs for cycling and all that, yeah. I never thought I'd do that. That's all part of that journey. The destination's still there. Whether I've ever make it there or not, I don't think that really matters. That's a great way of looking at it, Joe. <laughs> so while we're coming into land on this thing then, let's get a couple of plugs in there. Yeah, I did a, did a kid's book, uh, as you know, ah, over yes. lockdown. 
whenthebugsgain.com or on Amazon, you can get that book. And uh, that, that's been brilliant. Um, that's that's about how to explain the COVID situation lockdown. to young ones. Yes, yeah, just, just, just when the bugs came. It's all about what we did during the first lockdown, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing a challenge, a 40-day Lent challenge. I am going to be raising money for the local food bank. And I've decided I've come up with 10 four-day challenges. Okay. 10 four-day challenges. Four days of sleeping, not in my bed, just on the floor. Four days of no phone or internet. Four days of vegetarian. Four days of a proper fast. Four days of no hot water. What else have I got? Four days of 10K walking a day. Okay. I'm going to do 10K That's walking. That's a good commitment. Four days. Yeah, it's a biggie. Four days of random acts of kindness. And yeah, and that's going to be right the way through to Easter Saturday. I know, I do I do know a little bit about this. And I know that one of these challenges is going to be the most difficult for you, right? The four days of silence, right? You not talking. Why, why have I chosen that? I don't I know, mean, but Emma is going to have the best four days. She's, she's just going to be... It. So I've decided for that one because I couldn't do four days solid. I just could there's just no <laughs> way. I'm doing 10 hours a day of silence okay. for four days. Okay, I'll, I'll let you off with that one. In terms of doing that, people can sponsor you? Yeah, they can just donate. Cool. Yeah, so I'm not really kind of doing it as a major sponsor thing, but if somebody wants to donate, facebook.com slash 10 for 40. There's all the links on there. And if they want to donate, they can. If they want to find out about you, Joe, and the kind of things that you're going to be up to, hopefully when the world comes vaguely back to normal and we're back to doing stuff, uh, whereabouts can people find out about you? The Man on the Mic, that's probably my main one. And I've got a webpage for that. Well, I've had a lovely time chatting. Joe it's Fisher, thank you ever so much for spinning the wheel. I'll see you again, mate. Thanks for having me, bud. Cheers now. And that was the Spin the Wheel podcast with the wonderful Joe Fisher. Thank you for coming on, Joe. I'm glad we had a really nice chat. I know the fact that the edit will take some time because we've got to get rid of all the waffle. And trust me, between me and him, there's going to be a lot of waffle. Um, If you like Joe and you like the stuff he's doing, uh, check him out. You can check him out on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff um, at the man on the mic. Um, and and yeah, find out all the things he's doing. Uh, buy a copy of his book. It's good. Anyway, um, so yes, that was entertaining. Uh, I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, then please tell somebody else, pass it on uh, and let more and more people find out about the kind of things we're doing here in talking to random people many of these people that i talk to you won't necessarily know about uh, and that's great because sometimes it's good finding out about other people and their lives and you, you might find out some things that you then push forwards with and, and and follow on with after that point who knows it's the beauty of podcasts anyway enough said about that if you like this like i say pass it on um you can subscribe on the youtube you can follow on the Spotify, you can give it ratings on the iTunes and all the rest of that stuff, that would be great, I'd really appreciate it, or indeed, just get in touch and let me know what you think of this stuff, um, I'm looking forward to next week, so next week's podcast back out on the Friday morning and um, we've got Paul Savage on next week, um, stand-up comedian and a uh, bit of a ledge, so uh, that should be a good one as well, and uh, then following on from that, who knows where we'll go, could be in all kinds of different directions Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Look after yourself now. Ta-da.